Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay. Unless you're really good at it. Hello, and welcome to a very sexy episode of The Scofflaws, A History of Law and Disorder. Um, my name is Sean, and joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Kate. Say hi, Kate. Hi. <laughs> as you, if you could probably tell, we are post-Bristol. This past weekend was week one of our lovely home renaissance fair. And Sean blew out his voice yesterday. Blew out or made better? Ask your wife, I don't know. She is currently suffering from the end result of a blown out corset. She does not have much of an opinion. Oh, honey. So yeah, in honor of Bristol's uh, 31st season, we are doing a kind of shortish episode on the some crimes that you may have found in Elizabethan England and what their punishments were. All right, let's uh let's dig into these Elizabethan crimes. <laughs> I can't get over his voice. So, the first one, um oh, by the way, those of you who are regular listeners to the show know that Sean is a part of the black market and is therefore a criminal, so some of these are going to be very familiar to him. But the first crime uh, that I found was public drunkenness. And Sean, what do you think the punishment for that was? Um, I imagine it was some form of public humiliation. You are correct. Um, specifically that you were either put in the stocks or you were forced to wear a barrel as a shirt. And if you had to wear the barrel as a shirt, you were led around town and people would throw things at you. A barrel? A well, yabba-dabba-doo. <laughs> that is where it came from. The, the whole barrel trope was uh, originated in Elizabethan. Not originated, but popularized from Elizabethan England. Well, cool. So... <laughs> There you go. If you've ever wondered why so many cartoon characters from back in the 50s wore barrels, it's because of something that happened about 300 years before that. <laughs> um, and just for clarification, you're going to hear a lot of like different terms. Uh, you're going to hear stocks, which is where you have hands and wrists into um, a hole made by two wooden blocks like close together. Um, a pillory is actually your head and arms in the hole, similar to what we think of as stocks today, but it was actually the pillory. And then there was also a pillar, P-I-L-L-A-R, that people would be nailed to or tied to or whatnot to. Each nailed to? Yeah, you get your ear nailed or your finger nailed or like in between, like the little fleshy bits in between your fingers. Oh, oh. 
fingernail things are one of the things that really gross me out. <laughs> I think it's because when I was a kid, my dad popped a blood blister under his fingernail by drilling it with a drill bit. And, oh, oh. <laughs> That's me with elbows. Like, if someone hurts their elbow, it's like I feel it. Anyway, there's also something called a finger pillory, where it held your fingers in blocks of wood, but, like, your fingers were bent at the middle joint. Oh. <laughs> it some some people get freaked out by eye stuff. I get I get freaked out by like fingers and fingernail stuff. I found his button and it only took me what, nine episodes, eight episodes? This is number ten. What? We've been going for ten episodes, shit. Alright. The the finger pillory was usually kept in like castles or manors where people would like act out and stuff in social settings and then they were just shoved in there for a bit and it was apparently really painful i'm not emoting it but i'm freaking out right now okay so we'll move on to something that freaks me out mouth pain so one thing if someone was speaking too freely quote-unquote or gossiping, they would have to wear a gossip bridle. Nine times out of ten, this is a woman who had to wear this. And it was a cage-like bridle contraption that, like, stuck sharp things in your mouth and around your head. So if you know, like, a bridle for a horse, it was shaped like that. And it stuck sharp, pointy things in and around your mouth. Uh, so it would cause extremely painful injury if you were to talk while you had this Yeesh. on. That, that sounds like a... I don't even know. That sounds like some sort of awful centerpiece. It's terrifying and terrible and another way that they would have controlled women. And people wonder why women didn't fight for agency. Because things like this happened. Because you got locked in a head cage with pointy bits. Oh, and another thing that was used to target specifically women. I have not seen any records of a man being used for this is a dunking stool. And contrary to popular belief, it was not used for witchcraft. Um, most of the sources I read said it was, but then I did, did some digging, and it's actually used for over-talkative women, is, was the official charge. Oh my god, that was an official charge? Over-talkative? It was speaking too freely. Um, they... It was a chair that was attached to a levy like or a lever system where the person, the woman, would be strapped onto the chair and dunked in the water for however many of the times the sentence was supposed to be. And oftentimes the women would die of drowning. Hold thy tongue, woman, lest ye get dunked. For real, though! That's awful. Uh, it is awful, and... Yeah, female suppression is and was a thing. They were just a little bit more forthright about it when they had laws against it. And if any of you out there are thinking, well, they're just getting dunked in water, that doesn't sound so bad. As someone who grew up with a pool, I can tell you that your body does all kinds of fucked up stuff if you're underwater for too long. And if you're restrained underwater, I think that's the big thing, because I don't think these women were left for a super long time. But when you're restrained and you can't, like, float or anything, and you're yeah. stuck down there, and then when you come up, the water rushes into your lungs, whether your mouth is open or if you're holding your breath or not. And most of these people didn't understand how to swim or how to breathe correctly with water. 
panic responses do all kinds of weird things. And here's a funny thing about panicking. That releases a lot of adrenaline, and a lot of adrenaline needs a lot of mm-hmm. oxygen. So now, Sean, we are heading into a little bit more of what you do at Bristol. Petty theft. Oh, goody. Petty theft. So what do you know about the crime or the punishment for petty theft? Um, since I've been threatened with it, and, and again, I just want to clarify, since my character has been threatened with the charges of petty theft several <laughs> times, loss of finger or hand. That is actually um, not petty theft. That is a higher theft. Um, that's like if it was commuted or if it was a second or third offense. Uh, the first offense was often just public whipping or and or time in the stocks. Uh, I think it'd be about Percy's 532nd attempt. So surprised he's not dead yet. He's too useful. He's a, <laughs> he's a wonderful scapegoat for the entire town. <laughs> so in relation to theft, um, you also have like a higher theft, which was any theft more worth more than 12 shillings. Um, was considered actually a capital offense. Often, though, courts would value it less so they wouldn't have to, like, kill as many people because so many people were so poor that they were stealing more things more than 12 shillings, which 12 shillings is about half a pound of currency. And at this time, that was a lot of money. That was about a month's wages for, like, a lower-class working person. So to kind of give you some background as to why people would be stealing so much, because they weren't making anything. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I wasn't shilling like a a higher unit of currency than like like a lot of people. I think nowadays would think of a shilling about equivalent to like say a quarter or a dollar, but wasn't it closer to like say a fifty or a hundred dollar bill? Yes, adjusted for inflation. For sure. Um, it would go pence, shilling, farthing, pound. Or if I may have gotten farthing and shilling mixed up. I don't know. But shilling was right in the middle of currency measurement. Um, and this is weighted currency. This is not, uh, this isn't the paper money system that we use today. This is a, a weighted silver and gold system. So uh, currency is different. That's why it's so hard to calculate currency from um, pre. 17th 18th century because it was all weighted even the united states their currency was weighted until the 1870s and that's why the 1873 uh stock market panic happened well let's be honest english currency is still a pain in the ass to figure out yes They've, they've got like two different concurrent currency systems plus they use the euro well is this shilling is it net or gross it's british though mm-hmm So I found the official way that it worked. There were 12 pence in a shilling and 20 shillings in a pound. And then one pence was actually divided into four farthings. Has tax been paid on it? Yes, this is after tax. Owing to the rigorous bite of the income tax, five pence of a further sixpence was swallowed up in tax. Oh, God. And And they adopted the metric system before we did. Yep. Um, so anyway, anything more than 12 shillings is considered a capital offense, but most courts were like, eh, we'll say, say you stole 11 shillings worth of things because killing people is expensive. Um, so there were different ways that you could steal 
high high theft um like thing, ways that you can steal them and what are ways that they happen sean i mean the most common way that i've mimicked at fair and again to clarify as a play bit i don't go around doing this to people who are coming to enjoy the fair is a cut purse where you literally just take the bag of money that someone has tied around their belt because there were not pockets yet and you just take a knife and you just cut the rope and then you keep walking. Um, yeah, that is that is actually the most popular is cut pursing. However, people did have pockets, they just weren't very popular. Um there's historical record of pockets being sewn into gowns, but it was only for rich people. So merchant people like often they would have like a pocket, but it was always like a separate pocket, either tied inside their skirts or outside. But the, oh, I, I mean, for for your standard pickpocket, yeah. I mean, Percy's dumb as rocks, but he's not dumb enough to try and steal from uh, from nobility. Exactly. So pockets did exist, but more people just carried money in leather pouches for whatever reason. Um, also, my favorite crime, uh, theft crime in Elizabethan England, is called hooking. We learned about this in. Uh, when I started at Bristol a few years ago, um, we had a hooker on the black market, but it wasn't like a person who it wasn't it wasn't a prostitute. It wasn't a woman of ill repute. Exactly, we had those too, but they weren't on the black market because they were very much <laughs> legal. Um, no, hooking is so at this time, uh, windows didn't often often didn't have glass because glass was very expensive. So they would use shutters to like open and close their windows. So thieves would literally take a large hook and just grab things out of shop windows and like out of shops with a giant hook or like go from a balcony and steal something off of somebody's head or something. And that's where we get that little fun trope in theaters of if someone's done and overstayed their welcome on stage, a giant hook comes out and grabs them. Yup. So, um, those are like the theft crimes. Treason, we've talked about on this episode. Um, and because treason is such a big topic that really isn't consistent, I don't think we're going to do a full episode on it. Um, but... Basically, if you commit treason for any reason against the crown, um, if you are a normal person, like a common person, uh, you are hanged until almost dead. Your organs are cut out of you and burned in front of your eyes. And then as you're slowly bleeding out, your head is cut off. And then the rest of your body is cut into pieces and dragged throughout uh, the city. And then your head is placed on a pike at the south end of the London Bridge. Holy shit. Yeah. That's how, that's treason. That's for high treason. And then if you're nobility and you commit high treason, you get a simple beheading. Which for beheadings, they would actually raise the head high, not just to like proclaim victory, but also to be like, hey, we think you're, you still have consciousness in your head because we don't understand neurons and how nerves will keep twitching for a while after you're dead. So here, look at your body and death is imminent. Um, it is Jesus. actually said that when uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, was executed, she writhed and like twitched and her lips were still muttering for 15 minutes. Her neuropathways were working so hard. And when they lifted her off the chopping block, like her body... Her dog fell out of her lap and wouldn't leave her side. 
she hid her dog under her dress. Oh, that's comfort. That's sad. It's very sad. Wasn't there? I forget what they named the chicken, but I know there was one chicken where the the farmer missed the missed with the axe in just a specific way that the chicken lost what everything that we would consider its head, but still had enough brain left to function. Yep. And then the thing went on to live for, like, what, another, like, five to ten years? Yeah, I heard about that, too. I don't know the details on it, but I remember that story from when I was a kid. Yeah, I I, I forget how long it lived, but I know that it didn't just, like, die of natural causes. It died in, like, a feeding accident. Like, uh, the dripper they used to feed it, like, dripped a little bit too much down the neck hole, and then it, like, choked to death. (laughs) Oh, dear God. Oh, okay. Um, that, yeah, don't don't half slaughter your chickens, friends. So the last crime in Elizabethan England that we're going to talk about today, which is kind of, I think, the most brutal, um, because uh, it is scientifically proven that being burned alive is actually the most painful way to die. But if you were to poison someone, it was considered a woman's crime, first of all, only, like, Commonly known, only women would poison people because they didn't have to get their hands dirty. The person who committed the crime of poisoning somebody would be lowered into a vat of boiling water and scalded to death. Yeesh. Scalded to death. Correct. Boiled poisoner. Uh-huh. So what's for dinner? Yeah. Scofflaws, I just want to let you know that we are in no way sponsored by the Bristol Renaissance Fair or Renaissance Entertainment Productions. Uh, We just, we have fun with them every weekend and we wanted to share a little bit of our world with you as much as we are both dying on this, what we call Recovery Monday, the Monday after uh, performing all weekend at the fair for thousands of people. But like we said, we are not in any way sponsored with Bristol Renaissance Fair or its parent company. We just wanted to share our life with you. Yep. Nope. It's uh, it's how we met, and I think it holds a special place in both of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's just something that we both really love to do, and yeah, that's that's about that. Um, do you want to hear about some of the crimes that we commit on the black market? Yeah. What What do you do? All right. So again. For the third disclaimer, we're not really committing crimes, we're doing bits. Um, so around this time, uh, and I can't, I keep forgetting what year we're doing. 1574. 1574. Uh, around this time, uh, there was still a trade embargo between England and Spain, because England and Spain hated each other's guts. And a little little fun fact is that people in England really wanted oranges and avocados, and oranges and avocados at that time were grown in Spain. So there was uh, enough of a a demand for that, that there was a black market, as we would have nowadays for, like, cocaine and meth, for oranges and avocados. So one big thing that we joke around about is how we are importing illegal oranges and illegal avocados. And actually, one of the best 
uh, parts about this season of Bristol is actually there was a treaty of Bristol signed in 1574 that um, ended the trade embargo between Spain and France and did a whole bunch of other things. And you can actually see the um, the treaties signed at Bristol on Sundays, I believe. So all these, the black market is also like kind of struggling with the fact that like, hey, they're not really illegal anymore. Because yeah. the ambassador to Spain just brought us oranges. <laughs> yeah. No, what we're moving into this year is more counterfeit oranges. So, clementines. Uh, bocce balls. Even better. See, this is what happens when I don't see Sean every weekend, like, all the time. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> we we used to be on the same cast, and then Kate moved to a different one. I am far dirtier and a little bit more busy but it's super fun yeah come visit us come play with us we are like we you'll find us most places in the street we just kind of run around and do our thing um and if you have any questions email us at scofflawspodcast at gmail.com or send us a facebook message we're um under scofflaws uh history of crime and disorder on facebook um if you have any message or if excuse me if you have any episode requests uh, we love hearing those. Um, we've gotten several really good requests lately that we can't wait to dive into. Yep. When we when we remember to do it, we'll we'll try and make it a thing of doing uh, hashtag Topic Tuesdays so that you know exactly when the best time to submit your ideas is. Exactly. And he says that as I get ready to schedule that post for this week. <laughs> And uh, once uh, once some pictures crop up from the season, we'll make sure to to include those on the uh, the Facebook page so you know what we look like if you decide to come to the Renaissance Fair. Because it's it's not enough to say that I'm a ginger with a beard because that's about forty percent of the cast. Yep, and you don't want to confuse him with Captain Sir Martin Frobisher as much as everyone loves to. Or Mayor Brim, or. <laughs> Or John Shakespeare. Yep. Uh, we, we've made my point. <laughs> All right, Sean. Anything else we need to tell our dear friends? Um, let's see. We've given them the Facebook. We've given them the email. Uh, they are listening to me vamp while I look up a dumb law. And uh, how's the weather? How's Auntie Anne doing? Oh, good. Weather, weather, aunt, aunt. Um, okay. Um, here we go. Uh, Dumois in Iowa. A man with a mustache may never kiss a woman in public. Well, you heard it first here, folks. Most of the hipsters now are breaking the law in Iowa. And I I just have to throw this one in here because it was right under it and I didn't see it, but it would have been the one I went with. One-armed piano players must perform for free. In Iowa or just... In Iowa. Okay, that's a good one to leave off on. All right. Well, again, this has been uh, this has been the Scoff Laws: A History of Law and Disorder. I'm Sean, and this has been Kate. Say bye, Kate. Bye, Kate. anymore. I heard that. Who said that? <laughs>